Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. One of the wonderful things about Jesus is that he can look into a life. See, we always judge by the outward appearance, but God can look right in through the the middle of somebody and without all the trappings, without all the makeup, without the without the clothing and the fancy stuff, without the degrees and the and the fine language, he can look right through all of that and see who that person really is. And that's exactly what he's doing to this church in Thyatira. He's saying, I am the one who has the eyes as a flame of fire. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Jesus gives a description of himself to the church in Thyatira. He starts out by saying, He who has eyes like a flame of fire. Jesus chose this description of himself from the presentation in Revelation 1, verse 14, to emphasize the idea that his eyes looked with penetrating judgment. As believers in Jesus Christ, we know that He sees and knows all things. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. The world, the whole universe in the span of His hand, that's how big God is. And and that's just a, a picture. He's much bigger than that, of course, but all of that could be put into a small package of a human being. That is the mystery of the incarnation, that God, He's fully man, but He's fully God. And I love what it says in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus, after his resurrection, said to his disciples, He came to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And uh, so Jesus uh, is Almighty God, and he's equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. What does it say in Philippians? As I'm just rattling these off, I would just encourage you to write these scriptures down, review them later, but I'm going to read some of them to you. And be encouraged about who Jesus is. Because remember, he's talking to them. He says, thus says, thus says the Son of God. And so I'm going to develop this just a little bit more before we move on here. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, what did uh, Paul say to the church at Philippi? He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Notice, he's equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. That's encouraging, isn't it? Because that's who Jesus is. Is that the Jesus that's being portrayed in in other churches? Not necessarily. Some actually put Mary on a higher pedestal than Jesus. They say that you have to pray to Mary in order for Jesus to listen. That is heresy, folks. 
That is not the truth at all. In fact, that's what one of the reasons of the Reformation with Martin Luther was that very thing that I just shared with you. There is no one. He is the head of the church. Jesus is God. He is equal with God the Father. And because of this authority, it behooves us, doesn't it, for us to listen to what he has to say. And one of the signs of the end times that that is, is clear is a revolt and a disdain against all authority. Against all authority. And as we look at this church, they became more enamored and, and weren't holding to sound doctrine, but they were um, putting those the, the truth, they were pushing it away, keeping it at bay. They didn't want to hear the truth. They wanted to hear things that made them feel good, that made them... Uh, that brought pleasure to their bodies, that, that brought pleasure to their mind and their own ego. But what does it say? In Jude chapter 1, verses, uh, in Jude at chapter 8, actually, it says, uh, as Jude is talking about false teachers in the end days, he says, likewise, these dreamers, they defile the flesh, they reject authority. Notice, they reject authority and they speak evil of dig- dignitaries. These are luminaries, and it could mean angels or authorities uh, that we have, even uh, uh, physical authorities that we have, governors, presidents. But they, 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 they disdain those things and they speak evil of authority. Uh, uh, Paul speaking to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 3, he also said this, He spoke to Timothy and he said, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. I believe we're in those times, don't you? (laughs) Is there anybody in the world right now that can say, No, these aren't perilous times. Things have just been going great. Love this place. (laughs) I want to stay here forever. Do you want to stay on this earth forever? I don't. (laughs) I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go and be with the Lord. I'm ready to be in heaven, and certainly we're going to be on this earth, we know, for at least a thousand years, but that's a whole other topic, before the end, the end of the end, where, there will, where eternity will be ushered in, a new heavens and a new earth. You can read about that in the very last book of, of Revelation. But notice what he says to Paul, or what Paul says to Timothy, excuse me. He says, but know this, Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, He says, But know this, that in the last times perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money, boasters, they'll be proud, they'll be blasphemers, disobedient to parents. And there it is. They're unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power. And what does Paul tell Timothy? From such, turn away. But notice, disobedient to parents. The whole family structure we see is is, has been breaking down. And that's why it's so important for a time like this as we're kind of rediscovering our family <laughs> with this, with this COVID-19 uh, thing that we've got going on here. We're rediscovering, isn't it? We're rediscovering one of the beauties of, of family. And even though we're apart, that there's a closeness. We've been getting closer. We've been talking. We've been doing video chats, all of these things. But in our culture today, there is a battle for truth. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. In every battle, the first casualty is truth. But there is absolute truth. We have to understand that. Jesus is the truth. And what we have in our laps right now, in our Bibles, that is absolute truth. You can bet everything on it. 
And in our society today, they want you to believe that everything is relative and that what is good for you might not be good for you. And if it's good for you, that's fine, but I've got a different truth that I can abide by. But that's not the case. There is absolute truth. Two plus two equals four. It always does. Two plus two equals four. And guess what? Jesus is God. He is God. And he says what he means, and he means what he says. He doesn't mince words. He's the creator. Going on in verse 18, it says, These things says the the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. This phrase, eyes like a flame of fire, we notice we got this, um, or or Jesus is giving a a description of himself, and we first saw it in Revelation chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, he describes, John describes Jesus in his glorified state, and one of his descriptors is, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes as the flame of fire, and his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace." Eyes like a flame of fire. And what does that speak of? Flame speaks of purity. Flame speaks of purifying or refining. And that's exactly what it is. It speaks of God's omniscience. He knows all things. I would encourage you to read Psalm 139 because it talks about God's omniscience and His omnipresence. The fact that He's all-knowing. He can't learn anything because He knows all things. And He's in all places at once. He cannot learn anything, and He sees and knows all. Even when the lights are turned out and you're on a remote part of the world, the Lord is with you there. But His flame of fire, His eyelids. I love what it says in Psalm 11, verse 4. You can write this down. Psalm 11, verse 4 through 7, it says, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Notice, His eyes behold, His eyelids test the sons of men. His eyes, like a flame of fire, it tests, it proves, it, 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 it shows the quality of, the true quality of the sons of men. And see, that's one of the wonderful things about Jesus is that he can look into a life. See, we always judge by the outward appearance, but God can look right in through the, the middle of somebody and without all the trappings... Without all the makeup, without the, without the clothing and the fancy stuff, without the degrees and the, and the fine language, he can look right through all of that and see who that person really is. And that's exactly what he's doing to this church in Thyatira. He's saying, I'm the one who has the eyes as a flame of fire. And what does it say in Malachi? This is the very last book of the New Testament in chapter 3. In in verse 2 it says, But who can endure the day of His coming? Speaking of Jesus. Who can endure the day of Christ's coming? And who can stand when He appears? Remember that verse in the uh, Handel's Messiah? Who can stand when He appeareth, right? In the King James. But who can stand? Who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire. A refiner's fire. And like launderers, or in the King James, fuller's soap. A launderer's soap, he's, he's, he's like that. And he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. And we all know the analogy here that any uh, metalsmith would heat up um, metal and as it is molten, he would skim off the top the impurities because that's exactly what happens when metal is melted and if it's continued 
the flame is still continued underneath of it, what eventually what happens is the impurities within that gold or silver rises to the top. It's called the dross. And they would have a tool to skim off the top, and they would take off that dross, and then they would continue heating it. And as it would heat up, more dross would come to the top. And the more they did that, the more purified that silver or gold became, the more precious it became, the more valuable it became. So as the Lord is using uh, as he's using this uh, illustration of his eyes being like a flame of fire, he's purifying. And that's what he does. He has purified the church by his blood. But practically speaking, we still have to go through this process of sanctification. And every one of us has areas in our life where we need to really examine, right? And that's why repentance is so important. And nobody likes the word repentance, but it just means turning away. Turning away from the old man, the way I used to be. You know, some people were swore like a sailor. Some people were promiscuous and had many sexual partners. Some people were drug addicts. Some people were cheaters. Uh, they, they cheated on their taxes. They cheated. Uh, they stole from their boss at work. Pencils and little things like that, and maybe even bigger things. You know, we all had backgrounds that were not ashamed, that we are ashamed of. But guess what? God is refining, and it's and it's okay as we go through this process for God to expose those things, and He does it because He loves. Right? Isn't that why He does it? Because He loves. Remember that. He's not angry. He wants to refine you. He wants to prepare you to meet with Him. I love that. And notice what it says there in the last part of verse 18. Uh, His feet were like fine brass. Brass speaks of judgment in the Bible. You remember in Exodus chapter 27, you don't have to go there, but in Exodus 27 it talks about the materials that the altar and the laver that they would use to wash after after the sacrifice and before actually that they would use, and the material was made of brass. And why brass? Uh, Even the very materials of the tabernacle, of the temple, in the Jews' day, had a purpose. And and, and, and the, the material that it was made of was symbolic, because brass always speaks of judgment. And why? Because that's where the sacrifice was placed on the altar. Judgment was done upon that animal in my place. That's what the sacrificial system was for. It was for atonement. Instead of me being up on that, God says, you can put a lamb. But remember that your life is that lamb. It's a substitutionary atonement, and that's what it's about. So brass speaks of judgment. And we also know that that Jesus was ultimately, he was judged on the cross for our sin. His feet were like fine brass. And his feet, we know that in Psalm 110 it says, the Lord, uh, in verse 1, says, The Lord, Jehovah, said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So God the Father now in this psalm through David is speaking of Jesus. So God the Father spoke to the Son and said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And a footstool is something that's beneath the feet. It means that the one who has the feet on it has authority over that thing, right? That's what it means. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24, it says this, Paul speaking to the Corinthians about the resurrection and the resurrection body and about the the death being done away with. He says, Then comes the end when he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. Do you see that? All enemies will be put under his feet. And the last enemy, verse 26, that will be destroyed is death. For he, and he's quoting here 
from uh, Psalm 110, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him, God the Father, who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And perhaps this is the reason. Perhaps this is the reason that Jesus described himself with the eyes of the flame of fire and the feet like polished brass, because they were allowing, they were being tolerant of what was going on in the church. And and we read that, Jezebel, who was this woman, and we'll look into her in just a few minutes, but this whole idea of tolerance, it's a buzzword today, and it it has been for a long time. And tolerance, uh, along with it comes the idea that there are no absolutes, that the only absolute is that there are no absolutes. That's the mantra of today. And liberal thinkers, liberal universities, even liberal theologians all have this great God of tolerance. And I say that with tongue-in-cheek as one of their pet doctrines. They, they hold to this idea of tolerance, so much so that they forget the truth. Yet they are intolerant of anyone who does speak and believes in absolute truth. You know, notice that? The whole world wants tolerance. Well, if it's good for you, that's okay. You know, leave me alone. Yeah, but there is truth. And, and while they preach tolerance, they're, they're not tolerant against those who know what the truth really is. We, Christians, we have the Word of God. We have the Bible. We have Jesus Christ. And believe me, they are going to be ashamed one day when they stand before Him. They will stand before Him and they will give an account. Unbelievers will give an account of how they have disdained Him and disdained the truth, His Word, and disdained even His people and how they have been a thorn in the flesh of all of us. It, it doesn't mean that, that, that God loves the people. Understand that. He loves the people. But just as He hates uh, their sin, He hates my sin just as well. God would have none to perish, but all to come to repentance. We have to remember that since Second Peter 3, verse 9. But even back in the 90s, 30 years ago, a Gallup poll was taken, and 96, I'm sorry, 67% of the American people believe that there is no such thing as absolute truth. That was 30 years ago, folks. I I fear to think what it is today. One author said this, All we want is tolerance. And this sounds like the world today. All we want is tolerance. We are quick to sacrifice sacred virtue on the secular altar of tolerance. And he says, If we continue to reject absolutism, the belief in fixed moral standards, we are headed for doom. And, and I believe that's where we're at. We're right on the verge of this, if we're not already in it. We're, we're in a really bad place in our country. And that's why we need to wake up. That's why the church needs to re- be revived. That's why we need to be vocal. And is it any wonder why there is so much hopelessness and a flagrant disregard for the truth and morals in our young people today? The young people today are, are flagrantly uh, opposing the truth and opposing authority. We see it. We see it. And uh, my brother and my mother, who were, uh, my brother's still in law enforcement, my mother's retired now, but they, they have testified to me numerous times that when they started off in the law enforcement, that there was a respect for the uniform. There was a, a, a respect, a reverence for who a police officer was. And now there's, there's no respect at all. No respect. Someone will come up and just spit on a police officer. And this happens all the time. And they disdain them because they know that they can't do anything. All because of political correctness. And, um, and it's a horrible thing. 
But as we approach the end of the age, which we are, there are very few great role models for young people. And I would encourage you, moms and dads, grandpas and grandparents, grandmothers, be an excellent role model for your kids in everything. Be an excellent role model for them in everything. I love what Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. What does he say? He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do you do that? You read the Word of God. That's why I see all my life I've been brainwashed by everything I see on television. They tell me that homosexuality is okay, they tell me that fornication is okay, they tell me that. Uh, All these things are okay that are going on, that it's okay. It's okay. If it feels good, do it. No. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So important for us to be role models for our kids and our grandkids. Going on to verse 19, he says, I know your works, I know your love, I know your service, I know your faith and your patience, and as for your works, that the last are more than the first. We saw this, Jesus used the same word, Greek word, in works here. It literally means toil. And love that he's talking about is agape love. And this is the first church that he mentions this. He commends them for their love. I know your works, I know your love, I know your service and your faith and your patience And as for your works, the last are more than the first. This church had a great love and was demonstrating that, but their doctrine in other areas of the church was not sound at all. It was not sound. They were struggling. Uh, Portions of the church were giving in to those demonic, wicked things uh, in the church. And we'll see who who was behind this. But notice... He says, I know your work, I know your toil. And their toil and their fervor for the Lord was increasing as they went on rather than decreasing. In Psalm 92, there's a really wonderful verse. And for those of you who are over 65, I would encourage you to write this one down because it's an encouragement to you specifically, but really to all of us. Psalm 92, verse 14, it says, They shall still bear fruit in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing. The idea is that no matter how old we get, we can still be fresh and flourishing in Christ. Fresh and flourishing. That speaks of continuing onward, getting better, getting uh more vocal. But notice in verse 20, the the key changes now to a minor key. Actually, I don't think it was really that happy before. But now we get right to the crux of the matter. Nevertheless, verse 20, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. The idea here in this word allow is they permitted it. They allowed it to happen. They knew it was happening. They didn't do anything about it. They're permitting it, and, and they're basically giving up um, and, and not allowing, uh, not doing what they should be doing. They're just kind of giving up and letting her. They're permitting her, this woman, Jezebel. Now, who is this woman, Jezebel? In some manuscripts, it says uh, that woman uh, is spoken of as your wife. Now, it could be that the pastor's wife was named Jezebel. It's possible. Um, It could be just a woman in the church. We don't really know categorically, and it doesn't really matter, honestly. But we look at this woman, and Jesus calls her Jezebel. Whether that was her real name, we really don't know. But it certainly speaks of her character. It speaks of her character. 
And you know how many pastors, wives in the church in totality, worldwide, instead of being beacons of godliness and modesty, have rather been flirtatious and even adulterous and even seducting and, and seducing other people. You know, and it's, it's on the headlines of papers, we have heard and seen these things ourselves, how uh, a pastor a pastor or a pastor's wife is uh, having uh, affairs with the worship leader or other peoples in their congregation. And this was the kind of- I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.